What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome back to episode 64 of the Wellpreneur Online Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Cook, and this week we're going to be talking about spring cleaning our online business. And this is the third part in the series, so we're going to be talking about spring cleaning your offerings. Now, I know it's already late May by the time this is coming out, so spring cleaning, maybe I'm a little behind, but still, I think no matter what time of year it is, is definitely these are some tasks that are worthwhile in freshening up your blog and your website and your offerings and just your business in general to get them ready for the rest of the year. It's so easy just to get caught up in our day-to-day stuff, like posting on social media and all of our crazy ideas about offerings and all the things we want to do and making all of our plans and keeping up with our emails, right? All that stuff that is a huge time suck. And your online presence can get really out of date. And as you evolve, as you start to change as a person, your business changes too. And we really need to keep our online presence and our branding up to date with where we are and, and what we're putting out in the world. So just in case you missed it, the first part of this three-part series was episode 62, which was about spring cleaning your website. That's available at wellpreneuronline.com slash 62. And then the second part, which was episode 63, was about spring cleaning your email list. That's at wellpreneuronline.com slash 63. And this one is 64, all about spring cleaning your offerings. So I've been really happy recently because I've been traveling and I love, love, love to travel. Um, I had lots of ups and downs when I used to work in the corporate world, but my best job was actually my last one where I was just traveling constantly all around Europe. And for some reason, for me, it just really makes me feel alive and it really brings up my curiosity. I just love, even when I was so bored talking about computer software and, and whatever we were talking about at the time, I love, you know, meeting the clients on the ground and understanding how do they live and what do they believe and what do they eat and just getting to know people in different cultures. I just love it. And that's really driven how my business is shaped today and, and what I focus on in my business. And so, but one thing that was really hard for me when I was transitioning out of the corporate world was just not having that, you know, corporate travel budget anymore. Suddenly I couldn't just jet off on a business trip. I had to actually make it happen. And that's something that I'm really focusing on a lot more this year is to involve more travel just in my, in my business. So that can look like attending conferences and events all over the world. It can be going on these photo expeditions to collect information for my vintage Amanda natural beauty site and a book I'm working on, which is really exciting and is going to start involving some retreats, which I'm super excited about and something I'm working on for later this year. Just a quick little heads up. So as I talked about in the past couple of episodes, I was in Turkey on a food tour and that was just me. So I was there with some friends in this food tour for work, quote work, right? Like kind of a business trip, but actually quite fun too. But then just this past weekend, my husband and I went to Morocco. We went to Tangiers. And there's a couple of things I wanted to share with you about this trip. So first of all, I'd love to hear from any of you that are with a partner who has a traditional job, like a corporate job, a nine to five kind of job, although his job's more than nine to five, but it's a traditional corporate type job. 
And, you know, in a way, it's a little bit, it's a bit strange because suddenly I'm in a position where I don't have a set number of vacation days every year. So theoretically, I can travel as much as I want, as much as my budget allows, as much as my business allows. And the way I've designed my business is so that it's location independent so that I can do that. So I've been going off, I go to all these types of conferences and retreats and training courses. And then I went to that food tour in Turkey. And it's kind of interesting balancing that in a relationship because, you know, he knows it's for work, but at the same time, it does seem kind of fun. And I think there can definitely be a sense there of like, oh, well, you're off doing all of this traveling. What about me? Even though he does lots of traveling for his work too. But there's, it's just, it's something different when a boss is telling you, you have to go here. So I didn't have a choice. Like when I used to have to go to South Africa for work, it wasn't my choice. It was dictated by the company. You know, I would just go. But now it's my choice if I go to Turkey. It's my choice if I go to this retreat in the States that I'm going to in June or all these other things, the conference, the New Media Europe conference I'm going to in September. This is all me choosing to be away on the weekends or to be away during the week and for us to have more time apart, which is kind of the downside of it. So anyway, so this trip to Morocco was actually a vacation and it was kind of driven by the fact that we just hadn't traveled together in so long, even though we'd both been traveling a lot independently. So we decided to go off to Tangiers for a long weekend. One of the huge benefits of living in London, probably my favorite part, is just that it's so easy to travel from London. You can pretty much get anywhere really easily. I just totally love that. But anyway, I'd love to hear from you. I think this is a topic even for another episode is just about when you're an entrepreneur and you've got all this flexibility in your schedule that you've designed. It's been a choice. It's a life choice to design your life and your business that way. But then how does that work when you have a partner that is in a more traditional job with a limited amount of time that he can take off and flexibility and just negotiating that. I think that's really interesting. I haven't really thought about it very much. I just wanted to bring it up and see if that's something that that other people out there are facing and how you feel about it. So actually, I'd love to know how you feel about it. If you want to hop over to the website, wellpreneuronline.com, you can click the black box on the right side that says ask a question and you can just leave me a little comment about how you deal with that or your thoughts around it. Or you can just tweet me or send me an email. But yeah, I'm really curious about that. And I think it would make a good topic for an upcoming episode. Anyway, so we were in Tangiers. It was my first time to Morocco. I've been really, really curious about going to Morocco for a variety of reasons. First of all, I'm totally obsessed with hammams and like those really traditional baths where they rub you down with black soap and then scrub you with this super scratchy glove and then you're in the steam and you get rinsed off and you just feel so amazingly clean afterwards. I went to a traditional hammam in France several times while I was living there and it was just amazing. So I've been really interested to go to Morocco and just learn more about that, the whole spa culture and get my hands on some traditional black soap, which is amazing. I don't know how this stuff works, but it takes off like so much skin. So like good black soap, a good scrubby glove and some argan oil. Ooh, and also some of their fabulous clay. So Morocco is just like, has so many amazing natural beauty things in it. I was really excited about that. Love the Moroccan food also. And of course, I love markets. And Morocco is one of those places that you just see like the piles of spices and the noisy markets. And I was just really interested to go there. And it's funny, a couple of weeks before I went, I had something from Marie Forleo. I can't remember if it was one of her emails or maybe one of her videos. 
But funny enough, she was talking about how she'd just been to Morocco and she was saying that they bought a carpet there and that the salesmen, the carpet salesmen were like the best salesmen ever. And she was kind of spinning it on, you know, using it as an example of how to be a good salesperson. And that's really funny because what I wanted to say today is actually just the opposite. And I love markets, right? I love markets. I speak French. I was like, this is going to be great. I'm going to go in the market. I'm going to chat with everybody about these spices and these olives and the soap and like have it just, I just couldn't wait. And in reality, it was so annoying. It was so annoying. I mean, the markets were beautiful, but like you're just constantly harassed. So I would be walking, you know, through the little aisle trying to look at like the gorgeous olives, for example, which, oh my gosh, these olives. I mean, the olives in Turkey were amazing. I don't know. These weren't necessarily better. They were just as good as the ones in Turkey, but there was just just huge piles of these juicy green olives with bits of preserved lemon and chunks of garlic and all these different spices and like, oh, amazing. So I'd be looking at this stuff and you're just constantly harassed. Like, lady, lady, like, do you want to buy this? How much, how much? You can have this really good olives, like just constantly bugging you. And when I'd go near any of the stalls with like the scarves or the fabric, which I'm kind of obsessed with scarves as well, they'd just be like, what's your favorite color? Where are you going to wear it? They try to put them on you and try, I mean, just totally over the top. And it got to the point where it's not even fun to be there because you can't look in peace. You feel like if you touch one item, they're going to think you want to buy it and start giving you the hard sell. So it made me think to tie this back to, to what we're all concerned about, which is how to sell our stuff. And it made me think, gosh, you just need to give people time to browse and explore and come around on their own. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't make offers. You absolutely do need to make offers. And we're going to be talking about that later in this episode. But at the same time, you need to have your free stuff out there, like your blogs or your podcast or your videos or your Instagrams. You need to have that stuff out there and put it in front of people, offer it to them, but then give them time to come to it and give them time to pick it up and play with it and see, does it fit into their lives? And, you know, you can then slowly nurture them. So you could send them little follow-up emails that are just asking them to, giving them suggestions on how to engage with the material or reminding them it's there, but you don't have to keep sticking it in their face and like really pushing it on them because you just have that reaction like, ugh, you know, it's like they just want to make a quick sale. They don't care anything about you and it disrupts the pleasure of shopping. People love to buy. We love to buy. I love to shop in markets. I would be so happy to buy so much of that stuff that was in the market. And in reality, I didn't buy very much because I was so put off and felt so pressured. Whereas actually, I would have been happy to give a lot of them money for some of their goods. It's the same thing in the online world. People love buying coaching and programs and ebooks. They love buying stuff from us. It's just that you need to show the value and let them see how it's going to fit into their lives and not like push it on them and make them feel like you're just out there to make a quick buck. So hopefully by the time this episode airs, which is a couple of weeks in the future, ooh, I'm recording this in the, in, <laughs> this is coming out a few weeks in the future because I'm a couple episodes ahead, but hopefully I'll have my photos done by then. And so you can go and see some of my Morocco photos on Instagram, which my username is Vintage Amanda, or hopefully up on the website too. Oh, one last thing I wanted to say. I don't know if any of you are also obsessed with like Instagram and taking photos as you travel. I noticed on these past two trips that it's a really risky line because sometimes you can take so many photos that you actually stop enjoying where you are. 
So I had this situation where I had like two cameras. I've got like my good DSLR camera, which I use to take photos for vintage Amanda. And then I've got my iPhone, which I use to take all my Instagram photos. And there was constantly like this tug. So I'd see something and then I'd think, oh, well, do I want to take this picture like for my blog or do I want it on Instagram? So then sometimes I'd like take the picture on both cameras. And then I kept thinking, oh, I need to Instagram my trip. So I kept like taking all these photos. And at one point I was just like, man, I need to stop. Like this isn't a work trip. You know, this isn't like Turkey where I was actually documenting the tour to be used in the future for my business. This is actually just vacation with my husband. And what am I doing being crazy and Instagramming everything? So I think that's a new challenge that we all come up against. I think it reminds me a little bit of like in the late 80s and early 90s when you'd see the tourists with the video cameras and the guys, like typically the dads, would just be behind the video camera the whole time, like not even looking at the stuff they were out to see when they're on vacation. They're just like filming it all. And I really think you miss out on some of the interaction and some of the experience of just living the vacation or living the trip, living the place when you do that. So that's something that I haven't figured out my balance with yet because I absolutely love Instagram and I love, love, love taking photos. And for me, it brings me a lot of pleasure. But at the same time, there's a time to put that away, I think, and, and just enjoy being where you are. Okay, so let's talk about the topic of today's episode, which is spring cleaning your offerings. And as you remember, if you've listened to the first two episodes in the series, we started off by talking about this book that I really love called The Magic Art of Tidying. And it's a Japanese book, which is a strategy for how to reduce clutter in your life. And her basic question that you ask yourself is, does this bring me joy? So like you pick up a shirt or something as you're cleaning out your closet and you'd hold it and you'd say, does this bring me joy? And surprisingly, in your gut, you always get an answer, at least in my experience. You know immediately, does it bring you joy or not? Now, then you can try to rationalize and talk your way out of it. And you could say, oh, well, but it could be useful in this situation or that. But you know right off the bat, does this thing bring you joy or not? And I want to bring this same approach into looking at our offerings. Do your offerings bring you joy? Now, I can tell you one thing for sure. If your offerings don't bring you joy, if on the other hand, you kind of get this icky, weird kind of feeling when you think of what you're offering, I bet more often than not, that's showing up in your sales as well because people can sense that. If you don't absolutely love what you're selling, people can tell that and they're probably not buying very much of it. So number one, the first thing I want you to do to spring clean your offerings is take a look at what are your offerings. So write them down, pull up your offerings page on your website. What is it that you're offering? And for some of you out there, you might not even have any. So do you have offerings on your website? I know that sounds super simplistic, but do you have offerings on your website? If not, it's probably not surprising you're not making more money in sales, right? If you don't have offerings that are publicly visible so that people are aware of what you're offering, how are they going to buy them? Now, I know this seems so obvious and crazy, but you'd be surprised at how many people say, oh, well, I'm a health coach. And so they've got their health coaching website and maybe there's something that says work with them, but it actually doesn't describe anything about what they do or there's no easy way, an easy, clear next step for people to get in touch. And then we're surprised why people aren't signing up more often. 
I had a funny thing. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'll remember at the end of last year, there was this big tax legislation change um, in the European Union where suddenly digital products are going to be charged this tax rate, this VAT value-added tax. And it's just a complete nightmare, actually. And so I made the decision to pull all of my digital products off the market for a few months until I figured out, until somebody solved this VAT problem and had a system in place that I could easily then sell mine without having this huge accounting headache. So I pulled everything off the market at the end of December to just the digital products. That doesn't count for coaching, but just things like my prepackaged evergreen products, like to grow your email list or to build your website. And I hit a point around February where I just thought, what's happening? Like, I'm not bringing in any money. I just like there was this huge dip in my revenue and I started like getting a bit down on myself. And then suddenly it occurred to me, well, like, duh, obviously I just took all my products off my website. Amazing how quickly one can forget simple things like this. So no wonder because people aren't just buying all the time like they were because they're not available. And so that was like, you know, this weird little internal dialogue with myself where I had to remind myself that if you don't have things up for people to buy, they can't buy them. So the first step I want you to do is actually take a look at your offerings. What's up on your website? What offerings maybe that you offer over the phone or that you offer in your workshop? Make a list of all the things you have for sale. That might be coaching, it might be eBooks, it might be workshops or retreats or courses. Whatever you have that's for sale, make a list of it. Okay, step number two. Now, this one might not be fun, but oh my gosh, is it effective? And it's spring cleaning, right? And spring cleaning isn't always fun, but you feel really good afterwards. So what I want you to do is for each of those offerings, I want you to go back and look at how much revenue that actually brought in in the past year. For real, this is like just the numbers, black and white. So we want to see how much revenue did each offering bring in. Now, I don't want you to say, oh, I feel like I've sold a lot of these and definitely my coaching brings in the most and something vague. We don't want that. I actually want you to go back and pull the numbers and see how much you actually sold of each thing. The thing is, the amount of revenue can be a bit deceptive because if you have one product that sells for a very low rate, like for example, I remember I sold lots of these online workshops for Vintage Amanda, but they were really inexpensive. I think they were like... 30 pounds or up to like 50 pounds. So they weren't very much money. I sold a ton of them. So in my head, I was like, oh my gosh, I sold absolutely tons of that product. But when I run the numbers and you compare that against like one or two coaching clients, actually you make more money selling one or two coaching clients. The big surprise for me is that I actually make a lot of revenue which I didn't realize, off of my affiliate sales. So when I recommend programs and products and people buy them through my links, and then I get a commission for that. I didn't realize what a significant amount of revenue that was bringing in. So this is really important to do. It doesn't mean we're going to make any decisions based on it yet, but definitely go back and take a look at where your revenue is coming from from each one of these programs. Then step number three, well, you want to look at each of your offerings. Maybe you need to step away for a few minutes and then come back to it with fresh eyes. But the third thing I want you to look at is for each offering. Say that offering, the name of it, get it in your mind, and then ask yourself, does this bring me joy? And you'll know immediately, do you love this offering or not? Do you feel slightly awkward about it? Do you feel scammy or sleazy? Do you feel like you're not really delivering value or people aren't giving results? Do you feel like that's an offering that was for your the old you, like for a previous iteration of your business and you've evolved beyond that? 
Or do you feel like, yes, I love this offering. I'm so excited about it. I wish more people would do it. I'd love to grow this one bigger. And just trust your gut here. You'll know which offerings you love and which you don't. Okay, the next step then, once you've done that, so you've got some idea of how much money each of these offerings brings in, and then you've got an idea of which offerings really bring you joy. Now, I want you to take a look at this and your mix of offerings and just ask yourself, is there an offering you need to end? It's okay to kill off things that we're offering because our businesses evolve. They just start to feel out of alignment. And there's only so much that as small business owners, we can really sell and focus on marketing and developing and keeping up to date. So if there's something that doesn't feel good anymore, that's not serving you, it's okay to decide to kill that off so that then you've got space and mental energy to create something new or to funnel that towards one of your the offerings that you're really excited about and bring that out into the world in a bigger way. Now, I think there's a balance here because if, for example, you've got one thing and it's bringing in the largest part of your revenue and you don't really like it anymore, you might decide to phase that out, say, at the end of the year. So you have a transition plan so that you still have that revenue coming in while you're getting something else that you're more excited about ramped up. Or possibly, could you just change or shift that alter that offering somehow so that it really feels more in alignment with where you are now and something that's more exciting? I would say it can be really scary to think about ending an offering, but actually it's so freeing and feels so good. If you have something that's become really annoying to deliver, where you have people asking you these customer service questions and it's things that you don't really want to be doing anymore, to just decide to phase that out and open up space in your business feels so, so good. So please, if there's something that you're selling that you don't absolutely love, Figure out how you can just end that gracefully and move into something that actually makes you really excited in your business. And the final thing I want you to think about in terms of your spring cleaning your offerings is now that you've got this list of offerings that you currently have on the market and that also bring you joy, right? And you know the offerings that you may be deciding to transition out of. Now it brings us to the space where you can think of what is an offer that you'd really love to create? I know you have some in your head. We're all creative entrepreneurs and we've always got a zillion ideas about what we could be doing. So what is an offer that you would absolutely love to create to offer to your audience? And how can you start it in a really super small way? So if you've been dying to create like this online program, I know a lot of you out there are interested in creating an online program or a detox or a seasonal type program. How can you start that in a really small way? It doesn't mean you have to get a membership site and you have to create all this content. You don't need to do that. Maybe you could just start a beta program. Maybe you could just enroll three or five people and you could try it with a series of webinars and just email them personally or have a private Facebook group and just learn as you go. So what is that offer that you'd love to create and how could you start it in a really small way now? I'm actually doing something similar to that because I have this idea for a new program that I'm really excited about. I'm calling it the Wellpreneur Incubator, and it's for people that are just getting started in their wellness businesses who already have websites, but are kind of overwhelmed at what to do next. Like they feel like they need a roadmap. So there's so many conflicting bits of advice and different activities that people are saying you should do online. Should you focus on social media? Should you make an ebook? Should you start blogging? Do you need to set up your email list? Like what is all these things you need to do? So it's for people that are just starting out who want a customized roadmap for what they need to do to put their authentic selves online and really get their business momentum. So I've had this idea 
And of course, I can spin way out of control thinking about all these different things that I could implement to make this program completely amazing. But actually what I'm doing is starting really small and simply. I'm running a beta program for just 10 Wellpreneurs this summer. And by the time this episode airs, the program will either be full or almost completely full because it's a few weeks in advance. But at the time I'm recording this, I'm in the process of doing a series of interviews where I'm just speaking to different Wellpreneurs that are at that phase where they're just getting started with their wellness businesses. We're chatting for 15 minutes on Skype. I'm asking them about what they're struggling with, what they need the most help with. And then that is what I'm actually putting into this program. It's a really simple way to get going with a program and to create exactly what people want and exactly what people are struggling with. So if that's you and you're interested in being interviewed and then possibly participating in the beta program, head over to wellpreneuronline.com and you can contact me through the contact form and get in touch and I'll let you know if I still have spots left to do interviews and to join the program. But also, if you didn't hear about that, then that probably means you're not on my email list because I've been emailing out about it. And so if you're not on the email list, definitely hop over to the website and sign up for the list because whenever I'm running little special offers or beta programs, I send it out to the list first. Okay, now finally, as a little tiny bonus, one last thing I'd like you to think about in terms of your offerings is how often do you make offers through email? How often do you email your list and actually tell them you have something for sale? Because this is something else that comes up quite a bit is people will complain that they're not making enough money, they're not getting any clients, but yet they're not making offers. Now, of course, there's that balance between putting your offer out there, letting people know that you're a business and that know that you have things for sale versus being really pushy and annoying and harassing people about it. But people are joining your email list because they're interested in what you're working on. They know you're a business and they do want to hear about the solutions and the products and services you have that can help them solve their problems. So it is your duty as a business owner to put out offers, whether that's a reminder about a free taster session in the bottom of your email, or maybe occasional monthly or every couple of months, like a special email just with a specific offer, or maybe it's just a promotion on your website or on social media. However you do it, just take a look and honestly ask yourself, how often do you make offers through email? Are you putting yourself and your offerings out there or are you just sitting at home behind your computer and hoping that clients come to you? I know it can be really easy to do that with an online business, but we need to get out of that mindset. Yes, it is online, but we're still all real people and you really need to reach out and connect with people so that they can really understand who you are, feel that connection with you, and that's how they're going to want to work with you. Okay, so just as a quick recap for your offerings, First, I want you to list out what your offerings actually are. And then for each offering, just go back and look at the hard numbers and see how much revenue each offering brought in. Then I want you to go through each offering and just do a gut check. Does this bring you joy? And looking at both the revenue and the joy, is there an offering that you need to end? It's okay. Decide, are you just gonna kill it off? Do you need to transition out of it? How can you free up more space for something that you're really excited about in your business. And then finally, ask yourself, what is an offer that you'd love to create and how could you start it now in a really small way? And as an extra bonus, just check, how often do you actually make offers to your audience? Cool. 
Cool. Well, that brings us to the end of today's episode. Everything I talked about will be in the show notes, which are at wellpreneuronline.com slash 64. Remember, I would love to hear from you. If you hop over to the website, there's a black rectangle on the right-hand side and you can click it and record a voicemail for me. So you can either ask a question, you can share your thoughts, and there's a good chance I might air it on an upcoming episode. And remember, if you are interested in participating in my beta program this summer so that you're just getting started with your wellness business, you've got your website, but you're not really sure about the roadmap of what to do next, definitely hop over to wellpreneuronline.com and get in touch and I'll see if I can squeeze you in. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week and you're having a lovely spring and almost early summer. And I will see you back here with the next episode. 